स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू टेल मी हाउ यू डेट इट आई एम नम्रता सकारिया एंड आई एम हियर टू ब्रिंग टू यू माई हैंड पिक लिस्ट ऑफ सम ऑफ इंडिया फाइनेस्ट ब्रांड्स यस आर बेस्ट होम ग्रोन कंपनीज that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down these companies range from food fashion and film to home art and design i'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows they also made india proud make sure you tune in at htsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses listen to them tell me how they did it Hundred Hands is a very young but bespoke shirt-making company that offers to put the Made in India tag right along with the Made in Italy tag, or a label that says Savile Row Tailors. They have an unusual but authentic way of going about this. Their shirts are made in India, in Amritsar in Punjab to be specific, but the company is headquartered in the Netherlands in Amsterdam. They are considered to be among the world's costliest shirts. They have a cult following in Europe and America, and some of their fans include Sachin Tendulkar, Farhan Akhtar, and the Netherlands football team to boot. I'm talking to the founders uh, of Hundred Hands, Akshat Jain and Varvara Maslova. Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I'm a little late in discovering One Hundred Hands, but I'm so pleased that I finally discovered it. Hello, hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you, Akshat. My first question is to you. Your family has been in the yarn and cotton spinning business for over one hundred and fifty years. How did making bespoke shirts and retail come about? That's a good question in general. Um, so let me take you a little bit back to the background. So, like you said. the family was already in the textile business but nothing to do with the garments it's everything with yarn and uh, cotton and then i wanted to do something of myself and work i was that time working in investment banking together with varvara actually and then um, yeah my family had no space in that yarn business for me let's put it like this <laughs> yeah. i find that hard to believe so they said because we were joint families and like yeah. you know in india there are all yeah. the uncles and the family brothers already were there inside i wanted to do something where it could be little bit more than just um yarn business became a very penny margin type of business so i wanted to have a little bit different business model then i said okay we have a small group of four people we had who was making clothes for our family okay. and one of the guys he was very very good and very experienced so i said okay maybe we use him to make a small atelier and that time we had the vision of what we are doing today and what we are thinking today was very different actually so it was more an experimental start to see what we could propose yeah and of course the idea was to make a, a business out of it and then once we started the passion actually came afterwards so normally people get the passion before and then they start and here it was slightly the other way around we started and then the passion followed 
And then we became a little bit too deep inside that now it's like a lifestyle for us, basically. But Akshat, I'm going to just continue with you. Um, I think it's especially uh, wonderful that, you know, you've been able to combine this made in India crafts and heritage story, which is so popular in India right now, as it is um, the world over, along with uh, cotton industry, um, apparel manufacturing, for example, in India is a giant industry. It comprises 2% of our GDP. It is 12% of our exports. It employs 45 million people. And, you know, uh, in the last financial year, it was worth 23 billion US dollars. Um, and I know, obviously, you are closely linked to a, the apparel industry simply because of the yarn, right? So were you backed by these numbers? Um, did it make it easier for you to start this boutique firm or a specialty sort of a label? Uh, that's a good and a fair point. Of course, my family, because of their background, Financially, they are quite stable, uh, but most of the funding of the project was done by self, by me and my brother, actually, okay. uh, because we started quite small. We started with a group of 18 people. Yeah. Uh, today, we are a little bit over 200 people, but it was a small boutique startup yeah. to, like I said, to test the grounds because we were trying to aim something which is yeah. a little bit uncommon in India. Even we have so many bespoke tailors. It's so fragmented, but there was nobody, maybe mostly it's more about the style than the art of making it largely. And we do have so much craft in India, so much knowledge, so much experience, but it's not yeah. purely used in the right way most yeah. of the time. Barbara, both of you come from IT and finance backgrounds. How did you meet? Uh, who plays what role at home and in the office? Tell us about your collapse. <laughs> We actually met uh, in Duffo Phillips uh, investment banking firm in, yeah. in Amsterdam. And Akshet was actually my project manager. So during the first two years, we were working very closely on different mergers and acquisitions projects. And we were actually a very fine tuned together on working together. So I think that was one of the reasons why we actually still are able to grow the company, work uh, and balance our uh, lives together at home and, at, and in the office. Because as you can understand, it's quite difficult to have uh, your uh, lives being uh, together in uh, both places, at home, office, everything. But we separate our uh, business uh, items I'm focused more on marketing and sales. Actually, I'm focused on development of uh, IT projects and everything uh, related to the factory as well. And also, of course, uh, with the collections uh, every season. And uh, we always meet sometimes the customers together. We like it a lot. Yes, okay. we manage it. It's just no, tuning. She, she is the boss at the home. So there, I, is, uh, <laughs> there is no confusion I, about that. I highly recommend she be the boss everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wonderful that at 100 Handset, you not only promote sustainability in terms of uh, keeping the hand skills alive, but you also promote fair wages. Um, in India, and I know this because I run a fundraiser that promotes economic equality, uh, you know, we call our hand skilled workers labor and we treat them as such and we pay them as such 
I'm sure this is a collaborative effort where you've decided to have better wages, a better work environment. So tell us the perks that working your employees have where, you know, maybe another company may not have those. Uh, maybe I can answer that better. Um, so I don't say we give them something which nobody or no company gives them actually. But at least compared to the most common grounds, we try to maintain first a fair living wage. So it's not about just the minimum wage guided by the government. We try to give a more a living wage. We are audited by some international companies like Fairware. And that's a Dutch company. So they audit us every year, every six months, actually, uh, to make sure that we are following international standards, not just Indian standards. And there are a few firms in South of India specifically who are trying to do the very much same. So what it does is it allows almost everybody who's working with us, even if he is joining day one, to start at a certain amount that they can stay longer with us because we are spending so much effort to train, to educate, to make them better in terms of what we do. And then if we lose them in six months or one year because somebody gives them few rupees more, um, it's a loss for us at the end of the day. So it's a joint combination. We gain from their uh, motivation and support. And they gain from what we give them as a salary in terms of, but at the same time, the other perks are very much defined. So some are defined by the government itself, the, the pension and all those things. But in general, in terms of, let's say, the lunch and the food style, basically. No, so but we also made, medical benefits that you provide and um, yes. also commuting and travel benefits, right? The commuting travel, so some things we take it for granted and we even forget that maybe it's so common to provide those things now. Um, so those things we are even taken for granted and if we have a very clear policy, if there is a need at, at home for a family, yeah. for a certain budget, we try to help from our side to the employees. Yeah. Yeah. That leads to sometimes getting misused at the same time as well. Uh, so we need to create a good balance around it. But yeah, I think uh, in the long run, we feel we will benefit from this. And that's the main goal there, to empower them to get more out of as a result and quality because for us, everything is dependent on that quality. So we believe that if they are happy, they will do the good job. Because in the end, what we can see maybe in the future, that some of the artisanal work might disappear even in India if you don't get uh, a correct way of treating the artisans anywhere in the world. People will start or stop uh, doing something they really did for generations uh, in the family. So in the way we would like uh, as a vision to promote and keep nurturing the talent we have in India, because it's such a high skill to do some of the handwork or doing something by hand, even in a short that looks very simple to make. Right. So for us, it's really important to keep uh, this type of uh, industry alive because in the end, we can also see so much has been done with uh, digital or with the machines and this type of uh, talent can disappear at some point. Yeah, but you also have more women uh, employees as compared to men, right? Which is quite unusual because tailoring is traditionally um, a man's job. I'm not so sure about that, actually, because... 
if you look um so women normally have more thinner fingers and more delicate hands so to take care of a garment actually women is doing a better job than men but just yeah, because but all our master jis have been men for generations mm. right that is true and that is more cultural thing than yeah, the skill yeah. thing because yeah. in india culturally men goes out for work while women do maybe a day job or a part of let's say a part time job or nothing and that is changing now so but to be to be honest at the very very high, senior level we still have more men and at a middle and a lower level we have more women so still that difference still remains even in our own company actually absolutely in every company in every field you know it's it's harder and harder for women to go to work but hmm. how does the current trend of a uh, work from home especially in europe and in america affect bespoke menswear let's say for last 12 months or since the covid has started yeah. it has impacted a lot a lot of companies Yes. And it has also impacted us but somehow we felt that actually and we were lucky let's put it like this that the business has been quite resilient because at one place we are doing quite some classic style of shirts but at the same yeah. time for last 3 or 4 years we have been doing a lot of knit based jersey based shirts a lot of sportive but still very we call it let's say a luxury casual style Okay. So it's not very formal it's not very very streetwear style so it's somewhere in between. Okay. So nice. and most of our customers they don't change their profile from working from home so they continue wearing similar style they will not wear a tie or a jacket for example. Yeah. But they do wear shirt wear or shirt. let's say a, a denim shirt in otherwise. Yeah. So it's it's less impacted to be honest right now and hopefully yeah. things are getting back on track so it will improve you've also started making these wonderful jackets with vintage textile can you tell us a little bit about that so it's actually one of the collaborations we did recently so there is one company in france uh, lafayette trapiers okay. they it's uh, almost a 200 year old company and they are keeping fabrics because they have been working only on jacketing fabrics Okay. so they have fabrics with them which are more than 100 years old fabrics so we decided to maybe take a lot of those vintage nice styles of fabrics and then use them in our what we call as traveler jackets so these are more leisure jackets not like a suiting jackets um and combine them into those to have first of all a nice collaboration nice story around it but at the same time um give a people a feel of what it was you know there is so much what we do today is coming from an era before and part of what we do everything is just to regenerate that actually um 100 hand shirts that such intent would could like can you tell us about your other high clients so most of the high profile clients they don't like to be named to be honest uh, i i had mentioned such intendulkar few times with his permission of course um, tell us what so he like let me focus on him in this case so initially so i used to meet him mostly during wimbledon in london because that's when he always travel there um so initially our first engagements he was mostly focused on more classic shirts because 
how I came to know him was through a tailor on Savile Row where he makes his suits. Okay. So that tailor is always introducing us to different customers. Okay. And that even includes customers like Paul McCartney from Beatles, for example. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic. So Sachin was one of the customers who was actually introduced via that circle. And so initially his purchases were mostly classic to go with his suits, which he was buying there. Yeah. And then yeah. slowly I noticed he wanted more casual, a little bit more sportive. But he still keeps it with us. At least his style is still quite on the semi-formal classic direction. So every time he has to go to an event or something, that's when he would buy something from us. For his, I think for his day-to-day um, regular, I think he's wearing largely a lot of T-shirts and more sportive clothing. And that's, I think, we are not the one who is supporting on the clothing side there. Okay. Of. For both of you, you know, a, a beautiful shirt is a beautiful shirt. But is it hard to sell the idea of India to the West? I mean, we are known for exemplary embroideries. We are known for fantastic hand-woven textiles. But a well-tailored garment still belongs to the Italian lobby or the American industries. How are you managing that? Yeah, so when we initially started uh, and we would walk into a store which is mostly selling or showcasing uh, Italian brands or French on the UK, we were the first one to showcase uh, something beautiful from India. And what the first question would be, really, is that even possible? So for us, it was actually a topic of conversation to discuss why can it be not be possible to do it? Yeah. So this was also one of the reasons why we got attraction in the first place, because we, we are actually, if you look over the spectrum of time, for example, in the stores, the, the, which we are trying to cater like a little bit more luxury casuals, we still see mostly uh, Italian and UK British brands yes. and sometimes French. So, and we are one of the few, actually, to be honest, uh, one <laughs> to, uh, with the, from, for the shirting industry. So it was a topic of conversation. People really enjoyed it uh, to understand how it is made because there is so much to tell about the shirt craftsmanship. And they were actually uh, the Japanese customers when we initially met and they, they saw the craftsmanship of the buttonhole and the bottom rolling by hand. They stood up and started to clap. I it was very, very, yes, uh, they started to clap and they said it's one of the best things they ever seen. And considering the Japanese, they are so much into the detail of uh, daily life or whatever they do. They yeah. always want to be so precise. And so they really, really appreciated that we really took time to make such, such a beautiful thing. So it, it grew. Uh, people started to appreciate. Uh, customers understood that it's really well-made product and uh, the visibility of craftsmanship is there. So... Namrata, just to add on to your question, it was not an easy journey and it is still not so easy, let's put it like this, because when we started the first instance, the say hello and be thrown out of the store practically, because like you said, it's being fully run by the Italians or the British uh, network. 
But like Varvara said, there was something magical we had in our hands. So when we showed them, even we got an opportunity to show them, nine out of 10 stores started with us. Yeah. And that started also because there were few leaders, there were few people who were open about it. Yeah. Even when their stores were only Italian goods. Yeah. Not even one single, not even British was not even existing for many of them. So we had to break the circle. And today for most of the stores, we are the leading shirt brand inside the store. So it has been a journey. It's still sometimes difficult. This question keeps popping us every single day from different parts of the world. So, so it, the answer it's, it's, is really the product sells itself, right? The tag, so, nothing matters. It's, it's a high quality, a beautiful design product will find its groove. It's actually less in the design side. We are quite not the strongest team on the design side, let's put it like this. Okay. But we made sure that what we put inside, we tried to bundle it together. We took the best of the raw materials from, let's say, the buttons coming from Australian shells, basically. Okay. Taking the linings from Germany, taking some of the fabrics from, maybe the cotton is coming from Egypt or wherever, but the finishing is done in a certain part of the world, which is the best. And then we try to craft it in a certain way, which practically there is no company worldwide who can offer that product. So that's how we went to the market saying, if you can show us better, we will walk out. And they gave us 10 minutes, sometimes five minutes, and we were sitting two hours with them after that, basically. Uh, and that's how we started, actually. That's a great story. But is a 200 pound to an 800 pound price tag prohibitive? Do you think more Indians will wear your shirt? That's a good question because we know in India there is people have money. I'm not talking money is there in every cult, every section of the society, but there are a lot, a lot of people with a lot of money actually. So first we thought, okay, it's very hard to break the circle with this price tag of two, three, four hundred pounds as a shirt. And to be for honest, for the same fact, we haven't yet introduced formally our shirts in India until now. Okay. But our factory in Amritsar, we get almost every single week, several people, several group of people visiting almost every week right now from India, from different parts of India. They come up, they come as families together, brothers and parents together. Yeah. And they buy for the whole wardrobe, actually. But and they are real of you because you've done very little press and communications in India, right? We have done practically nothing because we didn't yeah. target India as the market, to be honest, yeah. until now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's been like uh, we always kept it behind our minds. But since we were busy, we thought, OK, we want to address India. But still, even today, we are not sure how to address India. Uh, but all these people they read they saw us they heard about us most of them travel and they see our shirts in different finest stores in the world whether it's us or europe or japan and that's how they approached us saying hey we read about you we saw your shirts we would like to make and we heard you are based out of india actually or your factory is based out of india and then we said okay you need to fly to amritsar there is an airport of course and Surprisingly, I thought most of them would not, let's put it like this, but most of them who mail or who call us, they are happy to make a trip actually 
especially also because of the golden temple so they make a small yeah. holiday like yeah. a two day trip three day trip over there yeah but i'm surprised how many of them are buying and some of them are buying just without visiting itself so we are doing an a remote way of uh, handling them i'm going to visit your factory so um, oh that will be lovely yes please uh, tell me again sorry to interrupt you where is 100 hands available the world over so the biggest market for us is still europe so yeah. netherlands um, because both vavara and i are based in amsterdam yeah uh, we started here so the biggest market is netherlands so every small village town city of netherlands we are stocked so we have about 30 35 stores in netherlands alone in maastricht Then, that's my favorite in maastricht, maastricht. as well yeah. so maastricht is a beautiful city so it's that one of my most beautiful it's one of my most favorite places i've ever visited it's it very well. nice yeah yeah So we have the biggest one of the biggest is Netherlands of course and then yeah. uh it's Belgium we have few stores across the world basically because at one stage uh 2 years ago we started not going country by country but we started going store by store so when we looked at some of the best stores let's say in Sweden the top 6 yeah. stores of the whole country would stock 100 hands for example yeah Yeah. the same started in japan every single department store every luxury department store of japan from tokyo to hankyo to osaka they all are having 100 hands right now that's um, fantastic because japan is a very tough customer right is the most of so that that's also sometimes painful experiences there basically <laughs> but my uh, large tell us how you've been received by stores such as isetan and the like like the really difficult ones so the story which varvara uh, was telling about the whole buyers standing and clapping was the team of isetan actually that's fantastic uh, so they just found what we were doing especially when we were showed them the pattern matching involved in the shirt they they couldn't just believe what we were doing actually and the product in japan has been much more easy for us than in other countries yeah because the japanese on the consumer level are already so educated that we need to train less of them while in europe and us we have to do a lot of training so the buyers and the owners of the stores they would be very excited they would start but then the consumer is still on made in italy tech so we have to communicate more traditionalist right and that's the part the receiving part took some time but now it's the stores who are carrying us we are doing very good but we still need to grow we are still a small company we are 200 people right now and i think we can grow this company into a good scale while still maintaining and consistent quality Can you take us through your the process of your shirt making? Tell us about your hand stitching techniques, the stitches per minute. How many hours does it take uh to put together a shirt? And I know 100 hands means that it takes 50 people to make it. That's 100 hands. So tell us in detail what makes you so special. So first is of course the pattern making, but that's a skill which let's say the master pattern masters have we have two people uh, out of the 12 pattern masters two people who are purely doing research and development in terms of how to keep improving the fit 
even we are quite good at it, they keep, still keep on researching on it uh, to change small, small elements. So first is the pattern development. In So the garment process is same in general, whether it's my factory or any other factory, but okay. it's broken into different parts. People are specialized in hand working in a certain area. So if somebody is working on the bottom rolling of the hem, they would work only on the bottom rolling of the hem and not in six different parts because then they specialize into that area and can give us consistently the same result one shirt after another. And yes, it goes through 50 people now, actually a little bit more. So the whole rule is broken now. Um, <laughs> we don't tell it to everybody, but the rule is broken in a way because there are more than 50 people involved to finish a garment now. But you um, can't change the name. The name cannot change, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but at the same time, the essence is the same. Um, of course. And, and it takes about 34 hours to finish one shirt. We have two lines. We have a gold line and a black line. Okay. So a gold line would be something where every single thing is manually done. So there is not much machine involved at all. Okay. Uh, and that would be 34 hours of work. And then we have one which wow. takes about 16 to 18 hours of work. That's also done in the same process, but there is a mix of some sewing part. At that step, there is something with machine and hand sewing combinations. But again, it's all about the precision. So like mm -hmm. you mentioned, talking about the stitches. So for example, doing a buttonhole, we are not the only company who do buttonhole by hand, for example. Everybody yeah, can make a shirt by hand. Yes. It's not a rocket science here. Yes. But we would take this one of the smallest needles available in the market. We would take a very, very thin thread I think 10 times thin, thinner than what most Italian companies would take. And then we would embroider it. So the buttonhole process is not done in a more traditional way like the most companies are doing. We are following a traditional Indian approach. So we are putting it on a frame and we are actually doing an embroidery on a buttonhole. So we can go on a very edge. So first when we showed the buttonhole to most companies, they thought, it's either done by a machine or it will slip off because it was so much on the edge. But we are using a lot of old techniques from India itself because that's in the end the heritage of the craftsmanship here. And we are bringing that to the market. It's all about how fine and consistently it's done. That's the main goal of the whole product. Fantastic. Barbara, what makes 100 hands special for you? Um, I think empowerment of people, because we called it 100 hands, of course, but there was, of course, we could call it anything, but we wanted to keep the name relevant to the, the people who uh, think about what is it. So yeah. we wanted to keep it after our, after our team, yes. So when we see that people really enjoy it or mail us and they say it's the finest shirt they have or the most favorite, really, it makes my team so happy. They really like that people really appreciate what we make. So for us, uh, that's the most important. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you both, Akshat and Barbara, for talking to us. Thank you. It's been wonderful having you. And uh, I can't wait to visit the factory, which I hope is very soon. As it's soon our as pleasure, yes. Restrictions are lifted. And thank you for this wonderful interview. Thank you so thank much you. to have us. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show or not, 
write to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse at Namrata Sitara. You can catch the video podcast on the Lifelink channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.